Hello, this is Reverend Dr. Marisha, your Lioness Queen. Welcome back to our second week of my podcast, Supporting Women Who Have Experienced the Emotional Trauma of Separation and or Divorce. Our theme for the month is love. God is love. Amen. God wants us to experience his love. So this week, I want to start out with a quote. I found a quote on the internet um, with an unknown author. And the quote says, I owe myself the biggest apology for putting up with what I didn't deserve. Ooh, let me read that again. I owe myself the biggest apology for putting up with what I did not deserve. Man, when I saw this quote, I was like, wow. So I said to myself, how would I interpret this quote? Um, And so for me, reading this quote, in a way, it makes me feel that the old person um, truly did not value their worth. And if I applied the quote to myself, I realized that I programmed my mind to accept and deal with things that was not based on God's standards, on God's principles. Yes, I made vows. Yes, I promised for better, for worse. But there were some things that I could have done and I didn't do, especially speak up for myself. It also uh, made me think about If I could speak back to the woman that I was when I was married to my ex, I I would want to say some things, right? So I literally thought about what would I say? So I would say, Marisha, you do not have to accept what you're dealing with. There's so many resources, family, friends, that you could speak to, you could get help if you really wanted it. I would tell her that she is enough and she is fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. She just doesn't have to accept what is going on, but speak up for herself, seek out help. Remind her that all of the turmoil and confusion is all working together for her good. I would also tell her you may not see the fruit right now, but there are some blessings, some miracles, signs, and wonders coming down the pike that God is going to blow your socks off because he loves you more than you know. Yes, Marisha, God loves you. And you are his favorite. You must trust the journey because God is doing something in you that eyes have not seen. So that's what I would say to the old me. What about you? Would you say something similar to what I said or would you say something different? Just think about that quote and what you would tell your old self, the old woman who was going through at the time. 
I actually think this would be a good exercise to do because it helps you to put into perspective that you are not the same woman you was from years ago and how far God's love has brought you. It's all about God's love and we tend to forget. This world was created by L-O-V-E, love. And we need to constantly be reminded that God is love. God's love thought of you before you were in your mother's womb. That's love. Unfortunately, the world is confused and twisted. The meaning of love from biblical principles and biblical standards, especially as it relates to relationships. It's quite sad, but there are a lot of women who are in marriages who do not feel or experience God's love from their husband. And maybe that was you. Many women aren't shown or told that they are loved, Not to mention if they have low self-esteem, confidence in themselves, experience trauma, abuse, neglect. And unfortunately, those just add more layers to the relationship. I do not know about you, but I programmed in my mind that my ex-husband loved me. He didn't tell me. (laughs) He definitely, we didn't celebrate Valentine's Day. I can't really, in my mind, I can't really remember when I can say he showed me based on God's standards. You know, I kind of programmed in my mind that him coming home, Um, him helping pay the bills was love but really was it? I was kind of conditioned to think that you know love it was love but you know God's love goes even deeper than that but I didn't know I just accepted the plate that was given to me Not really realizing and understanding real love. Um, When my ex and I started dating, I was only 18 years old, you know, so I really didn't know about love. I didn't know what I deserved or even what I needed. You know, as a young female, we have a lot of fairy tale ideals and fairy tale dreams, Cinderella type of stories and dreams in our head, not realizing and understanding God's love. Then to add more to the situation, if you think about it, um, you know, if you ever grew up in a home or family and you never saw or experienced a healthy marriage A healthy relationship between a husband and a wife. 
a healthy relationship um, on how to be a father, how to be a mother. All of these different environmental factors also have the ability to play a role in what type of husband or wife you will be. Your upbringing makes a huge difference in shaping who you are positively or negatively, especially what subconsciously you stored in your mind during the time you were growing up. As a young person, you do not always see the things we internalize growing up. You, we internalize so many different things in our subconscious, we don't realize it. Up until we're in a relationship with someone we love or we think we love. Did you ever see unconditional love as a child growing up in your home or even in someone else's home? This is the goal of the enemy to make you love conditional. Because we are imperfect. Love cannot survive when there are conditions. When we first meet or get married, we do not see the conditions. And definitely, we do not see our mind subconsciously process marriage and how to raise children. These are not things that we even think about sometimes. And we don't think about definitely how our environment and how we grew up impact our marriage. We do not see it because we are so blindsided by the chemistry or the love Jones or should I say the lust of the flesh that tricks our minds into not being consciously aware of some things that should have been discussed, disclosed, or even dealt with. The issue is with the process. Many individuals, couples, will prefer to either hide who they are or the baggage is so hidden in their subconscious that they even themselves do not know what's in their subconscious or have even dealt with it. Sadly enough, there are some, there's some people who know about their baggage and issues but choose to hide it in fear of rejection. Ephesians chapter 5, 21 verse 22, Paul uses marriage as an illustration. And in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 32 through 33, he closes the chapter with a final clarification on what he meant by the marriage illustration so that we get it. So let me read the passage from um, the Message Bible. I really like the Message Bible. It's a bit long, but it's so rich in explaining what Paul meant. Let me start with verse 22. Wives, understand and support your husband in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does his church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership 
wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out in love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Ooh, that's fire. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Mm. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. The best. Dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor. Let me say that again. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No. He feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. And this is why a man leaves father and mother and cherishes his wife, No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge mystery. And I don't pretend to understand it all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her. And how each wife is to honor her husband. Woo! That's a good word right there. So Paul was telling Christians who are married, hey, you guys need to step up your game. And understand that all should not enter marriage lightly because he felt marriage was an act of sanctification. The end of chapter five, Paul emphasizes two main principles or what I would say ingredients I like that word ingredients that husbands love their wives and they love themselves and wives honor your husband Paul's message was for believers not unbelievers which was indicated earlier in the chapter which I didn't read but That is a foundation that Christian married couples are to follow. But unfortunately, with our selfish and sinful nature, we as a society are conditional people. We don't really follow the ingredients that our spouses need and really give them what they need in order for them to grow. Paul's message actually goes against our DNA, which is why going into a marriage should not be on a whim. Before going into even a courtship, Paul wants you to really think about this thing. One needs to understand the biblical principles of marriage, which is love and honor. The two ingredients that are needed love is needed for a wife and honor is needed for a husband we hear the words at the altar we we were wedding day we're so excited about that day 
We're so excited about saying our vows to each other, walking down the aisle, the music that is played, people that sing. We're excited about coming together, two families. We're excited about the reception. We're excited about doing our first dance. But there comes a time when Paul is referring to unconditional love and unconditional honor that we say we feel on the wedding day but when the road gets bumpy when the road gets challenging when the road seems unbearable when the road seems uncontrollable can you still give your spouse the ingredients that it needs for example how do you love your wife when they are unlovable how do you honor your husband when he is not in your eyes deserving honor think about it how many times have you felt that your ex-husband was not deserving of honor I'm sure that many times you can think about different examples. But it's not really our job to determine if the ex is worthy or not. God gave him that role to be the priest over your home. And because of the role, he deserves respect and honor. However, you know, there definitely are extreme cases. I can see this being a huge challenge, especially when it involves abuse physical, mental, emotional, and financial, just to name a few. But the word is clear in a husband's role and a wife's role and the main ingredient each other needs. God designed this partnership in a way for us to understand this is our first ministry and we need to sow the main ingredient in each other to grow. The biggest hindrance is we fail to make marriage first, make it our first ministry. We fail to give our spouse the unconditional ingredient that is needed for the partnership to grow and for the individual to grow. Which brings me to what? God's love. (laughs) We need God's love to help us as a spouse to give unconditional love and unconditional gifts in order for the marriage thing to work. The problem is our negative experiences cause us to be more conditional in our thinking, giving, and ministry in the marriage. God is an unconditional God. He doesn't treat us in this regard. So why do we? Definitely we, we can say it's in our DNA, our bloodline. We definitely, it, it was passed down from the first Adam. It doesn't help our sinful, conditional way of thinking. But no matter what, we should be loving like Christ loves. Everything boils down to his love. Think about it. The reason why the enemy hates the institution of marriage is because it's all about love. 
and God's love for the church. I realized the biggest trick of the enemy for me was to make me feel unloved from God, especially when I knew the separation was happening and then the divorce was happening. If the enemy can get you unconnected and focus more on his lies than on the logos and rhema word of God, then he can infiltrate your subconscious to believing his lies. Once you give him your ear, then he has a way to make you grow rotten fruit like bitterness, anger, depression, anxiety, hate, jealousy, unforgiveness, shame, guilt, suicide, and I'm only naming a few. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If my ear is only focusing on the lies, then I can't have faith. If you think about your own situation, whether you're separated now, you're moving into a separation, you're divorced now, you're moving and transitioning into a divorce, you've already been divorced, You remember and give way to all of the lies that the enemy has spoken to you. I remember when I was in this space and when I was in this space listening to the lies of the enemy. I can't necessarily say I felt God's love. Especially... When I had been neglected and didn't feel loved in my marriage. So trying to experience God's love seemed especially hard for me. Although it really wasn't hard. But because I had opened myself up to listening to the enemy's lies. It conflicted me. I felt like why was this happening to me? It didn't seem fair God if you love me why would you allow this to happen to me I've been praying I've been seeking your face I've been going to church I've been reading my word I've been helping other people I mean I'm going down the laundry list of things that I am supposed to do but he allowed it to happen to me And I realized when people love you, they do not allow things. Let's see, how can I say this? Um, It seems as if the people you are the closest to who love you, when they hurt you, it goes deep. It goes to your core. And so it's very hard to process how does somebody love you, hurt you. But again, that was the trick of the enemy to make me doubt and question God's love for me. So I did not move forward and walk in wholeness. I walked in doubt. I walked in fear. I walked in uncertainty. I walked in unforgiveness. I walked in bitterness. I walked in jealousy. 
all things that did not line up with God's word. All of those were lies. See, the only trick, and he's been doing it since the beginning of, of time. He, it started in the garden. <laughs> the enemy started this thing in the garden. The only thing the enemy knows how to do is to make suggestions and play games with your mind. He plays games. That's the only why. I mean, really, that's the only wild he has. And at the same time, the suggestions, whatever he speaks, whatever lies he speaks, it clouds your mind so much to feed your flesh in a way that seems right to man, but leads to destruction. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way of life that looks harmless enough. Now, this is the amplified version. There's a way of life that looks harmless enough. But look again, it leads straight to hell. Now, I grew up in the church. My mom's a preacher. I knew a lot of scriptures. But when someone has hurt you, the enemy plays on that hurt. And then next thing you know, you have nurtured the hurt. You've nurtured the rotten fruit, not from God, but from the emotional roller coaster going nowhere. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, that God is love. Why is God's love so important in this process of moving forward after a separation or divorce? God's love is all about providing us security and acceptance. These two words really hit home for me, especially when the divorce has the ability to make you feel insecure and rejected. And those two, those two things coming together just feed negativity. I can honestly remember being in the space of insecurity and rejection. Feeling like a piece of trash. But was I really trash? Does God's word say I'm trash? Or is that the lie I believed? This was the time when the enemy, I mean, totally infiltrated and polluted my mind so much. I didn't feel God's love. One of, I mean, I'm going to say it again. A while of the enemy is to distract you so much that you feel alone and isolated. When you're alone and isolated, then you open yourself up to listen to negativity. You feel no one understands. You feel no one can help you. You feel no one can provide support, you, support for you. You feel no one is there for you, including God. All this did was put me in a downward spiral so far that I felt disconnected from God. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever gone down a road and the spiral just went further down and down and you didn't know how to get back up? Many women experience this downward spiral and unfortunately some women have repeated the 
cycle in a new relationship or marriage. When we carry the baggage from our previous marriage, then it adds another layer to the relationship that the new hubby isn't aware of because it's so far in your subconscious, you yourself don't even know that it's there until you experience a trigger that's very similar to something your previous husband did. And then it comes out. I will definitely, uh, and, and this is all connected to baggage. And we'll talk about that later. I definitely will have a theme and a month geared toward baggage because it's so huge, especially when we as women are trying to move forward and the baggage was never dealt with because we were so busy blaming the ex for all their wiles, their trickery, their issues that we never looked in the mirror and dealt with our own. But we'll talk about that later. Now, last month we celebrated Valentine's Day which a lot of people are really over it, right? We got teddy bears, chocolate, assorted heart-shaped chocolate boxes, balloons, roses, edible arrangements, making uh, reservations in restaurants, and so on and so forth. So many couples feel it's so commercialized that they don't even go out that night and celebrate their love. I remember I adopted that position as well with my ex-husband, but not because it was my position, but I took on what he believed. How many of you have done that? Something that your husband believes has an idea about, and you took that on, but it really wasn't your own view. It really wasn't your perspective. It really wasn't your idea. It really wasn't how you felt, but you just took it on to agree. And that's what I did. He didn't want to celebrate it because he thought it was too commercialized. So I took on that perspective. However, I didn't feel loved. And I actually liked all the hype. I know for some women, this is the only time they may feel loved by their husband. Even if it is superficial, it is a way to celebrate love. Some people feel like, oh, well, you you shouldn't only celebrate for one day, right? You should love the person and show the person love throughout the year. But there's a day on the calendar to celebrate love. Just like there's a day on the calendar to celebrate Christmas, even though we should celebrate Christ all year, there's a day. So this year was kind of new for me since I remarried. And my husband loves, <laughs> can I say that again? Loves showing and telling me that he loves me. He was really excited about Valentine's Day. And I was truly appreciative and thankful. But God sparked something in me that I really strongly felt the need to do. And so since this year is my year of launching my new ministry, Lioness Queen, and helping women um, overcome and empower women um, who've experienced the emotional trauma of separation and divorce, God wanted me to do something. So the Lord asked me to ask a small group of women to go out for Valentine's Day. 
And it was only five of us, including myself. But I wanted the women to celebrate loving themselves on that day. You know, this year, God had me think of Valentine's Day in a new way. He wanted me to let other lioness queens know that God loved them, the importance of self-love, and to be open to trust to love again. It was such a refreshing time to be with this group of women who fought the same battles as as I had, who had experienced and are still experiencing the roller coaster, the emotional roller coaster from being separated or divorced, and women who are still in the fight of their minds with the rejection. What we realized that night was we all had been rejected by our ex-husbands, but it all looked different. The rejection The process, the journey was all different, but it all stemmed. And the common theme was they didn't want to be married anymore. It was such a powerful night of fellowship, support, and healing. I knew I really didn't have to facilitate the group. I knew once we started sharing, it would just facilitate itself. And it did so in a way where even though we all didn't know each other's story, we were amazed by the similarities just between the five of us. I realized by the end of the night that this is what women really need, a space to come together and support each other, which helps build confidence and boldness to believe in who they are and whose they are. At the end of the night, I gave all the women small gifts and a letter I wrote to them individually, not from me, but from God. I had all the women read the letter to themselves and it just hit areas that, one, they didn't discuss with me. Some of the women shared that there are things that they had talked to the Lord about that I didn't know. And it really hit home. I just wanted to offer them an opportunity to celebrate loving themselves. I wanted them to change their perspective of Valentine's Day because some of them actually didn't want Valentine's Day to come. Some of them actually were nervous about Valentine's Day and what it meant. And so this experience helped change how they felt about that day and helped them to realize the importance of reflecting on how much God loved them, how much they need to be selfish and love themselves. It's not about what other people are doing. It's about how God's love has the power and authority to go down deep, to heal their heavy hearts. It was such a success that the women wanted, they want to meet up again. And definitely we decided to make it an annual event and invite more women next time. 
the word of God says God is love, but more importantly, God loves you so much that it's not even something you have to work for or earn. His love is not conditional based on what you do right or wrong. It's just that kind of love. That type of love is so genuine, pure, authentic, but rare. A love that will sacrifice his only begotten son. A love that watched and experienced his son suffer on the cross. That kind of love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 indicates that the greatest commandment is love. He loves you, Linus Queen. God lo- God's love wants you to know that there is life after separation and divorce. And his love can catapult you to wholeness, security, assuredness, and acceptance. His love is connected to your destiny. So allow God to love on you. Allow his word to soak in deep so that his love can saturate your spirit so much that you know you are accepted in the beloved. Next week, we'll talk more about God's love for you and how to experience his love. When you experience God's love, you will begin to love and celebrate yourself. It's all about a process, a journey that was predestined for you to win. I want to thank you for listening. I want to close out with our chant. I want you to repeat, repeat after me. I am a lioness queen. God wants me to rise up. He wants me to take my rightful place as the queen I am. He wants me to be residue free. Intentional in my fight. Stand on the word of God. Realize I am a masterpiece. I am. I am. I am enough. I am a lioness queen with a purpose. Amen. God bless you. Hey, this is Reverend Dr. Marisha, your lioness queen. Stay tuned for next week.